You're not giving me easy questions, man. I thought we're going to start with some casual conversations about, you know, marketing and what B2B SaaS companies typically need. <laughs> nope, I'm jumping in. We're going for it. <laughs> You're going for it. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode 24 of B2B SaaS Marketing Snacks. Today, I will be your host slash introduction giver. Uh, my name is Richard. I work on the product team here along with Mike. Um, the rest of the episode will be Mike and Stein as usual. Uh, and today we're doing a great topic. We're talking about pricing and packaging and what goes into it. I'm really excited for this topic because it's just so essential and so important for, for all SaaS business, really. Um, so we're going to be giving you a high level overview and then get down into the nitty gritty as usual. We'll be talking about units for pricing. Uh, we'll be talking about ARPU value-based pricing, and really answering the question, how do you actually price and package your SaaS products or services? Um, without you know the right prices and packages that align with your customer wants, uh, you will tend to lose out on ROI and lose wins to the competition, which obviously we don't want. But with the right packaging and pricing, you can capitalize on not only the market and what people want, uh, meaning more customers, better customers, but also you make more money and create more value. It's really a win-win for everyone. And it really is a science. There's a lot to it. Uh, you have to make sure, for example, you aren't giving out things for free. That shouldn't be free. You have to organize things in the right way, put a lot of pieces together. But once you do it, it is definitely worth it. Uh, you see value. Uh, your customers see value and they appreciate it and it's just on the right track so i will leave it at that there's a lot to talk about there's so many more great examples of this um, but we cover it all in the episode so i'll just leave it to the experts i'll leave it to mike and stein so enjoy all right if i'm a company and i just we're just getting going what are the things i need to think about when i'm pricing my product how do I go about actually pricing my SaaS product? What are the things I need to think about? Pricing is a, is a profession in itself, and there are pricing consultants who, uh, who charge you an arm and a leg to just come and tell you, hey, raise all your prices by 10%. And they actually would make, make you good money if you follow their advice or they're worth their, they're worth their fee. Uh, but of course, you can spend many, many more days and nights and weeks and months to really, really go deep on pricing. And when you are about to scale to go to what we like to call T2, D3 growth, you need to do serious product marketing, which includes have, go to high scalable growth. Mike, we often talk about it. It's diversifying your demand gen, improving your conversion rates of your funnel, making sure you keep your customers right, the drive churn rates down. But the other really big component is what we like to call ARPU expansion. You need to get more revenue per unit, per user, per customer. And that includes thinking about how do you price things. So how do you do that? There are a couple of very important fundamentals. One is the, the unit that you pick uh, to base your pricing on. For most SaaS companies, that would be per user, per user-based pricing. Another example would be per customer. Uh, but some, some companies still price their software per device, like Microsoft used to do this with Windows, right? You had one license per actual physical hardware device uh, and there's still other uh, products sensors for example for uh, um, maybe an ai based maintenance sensor product uh, where you where you pay per device that gets managed so there are multiple units that you can pick and what's important when you do so 
is that you realize that picking that unit is going to have a huge impact on how easy it will be for you to do what's called value-based pricing. And and you want to do value-based pricing. You don't want to stick in uh, cost-based pricing or maybe market-based pricing where your pricing is based on what others do. You really want to get to value-based pricing. And when you want to communicate to your customers that when they pay you more, they will get more, they will get more value, then the unit will determine how easy it is to do that. So that's the first aspect of building a pricing model for Janus. Um, and then the second is that you want to base your pricing structure on the journey that your customers and your prospects will go through. Right? How do you make sure that when they have a need, that the, the price point that you offer and the product that, that they get for that is aligned with what they're you know, needs are what they're looking for early in that journey and then also allow how, how does that then also allow you to maybe charge more to have them upgrade or expand the number of units that you selected as your pricing unit uh, grows over time so you grow the the revenue per customer and as they go through that journey you will encounter you know either points in a journey where they go from trying something to committing, right? Then that might be a good reason to do, for example, try-buy model, or where they go from using something that is relatively commodity that they can they, they could buy from your competitors as well, to using things that only you can do. And that would be more of a freemium premium model. So when you understand that journey, what do people look for when they start for the first time? You're looking for a solution for the need that you're solving for? Or, you know, at what point will they be experiencing enough value that they're willing to pay for it? That will drive a lot of these decisions. Do you have a try-buy model, a freemium-premium model? Um, and then finally, packaging, right? If you, we all sort of see this when we go, you know, get put gas in our cars, there is a, a, a typical number of pricing options that you typically get when you go to the pump, huh? three usually, regular, premium, and V-Power if you go to a Shell um, station and something else with their competitors. There's a reason for that, right? People like choice. Um, when you look to a home improvement show or, or, or a show where people buy a house, there's typically three options one that they really like, one that's a lot cheaper, but also not very nice, and one that they can't afford. And there's a reason for that, right? It's called the decoy, the hero, and the anchor. So most pricing plans follow that uh, model, where you have three options people want to be able to choose. And, and now it's your job as a marketer to define and des design these packages in a way that the majority of your customers will land in the middle. So yeah, Mike, that's uh, not very short, but... Uh, a couple of things that go into pricing your SaaS product. Okay, I have a couple of questions. Um, so just to, to, I guess, to be clear. So market-based pricing is when you let alternatives on the market actually dictate how much your product is worth. Um, is that right? And how does that compare to, to value-based pricing in your, in your eyes? Yeah, and it also immediately tells you that you're not necessarily doing a lot of unique things, right? If you have to resort to market-based pricing, it means that you're in a crowded space. There are a lot of alternatives, and maybe you have a better cost 
you know, basis or you do certain things in a way that makes you very profitable, it might still be a good market for you to be in, but the chances of that are not high. Um, so if you're in market-based pricing, you might not even be in the right market. So it's time to what we like to talk about in another episode, it's time to niche down and to find a part of that market where you actually have something unique to offer, where there's something that only you can do, so that now you can turn that into what value does that create for your customers and, and put a price on that and, and go to value-based pricing where you're not maybe as easy uh, to be compared with uh, by the alternatives. Sure, and that's more of a, a positioning play than, yep. than anything. And then when you talk about like finding the, the unit that you use as your kind of variable component, how do you, how would you recommend a company make that decision that feels like a there's a lot of variables that are at play there yeah if you think of what your unit drives um there's a couple things that are easier to do or harder um given different units if you have a per user based pricing model it is relatively easy to make that value based because often users in who work for your customers they do work that you maybe are making more efficient or you're letting these users have more impact so if you're able to quantify the downstream impact and building a story that, that describes the, the value you create and, and and connect that with how you price your product is easier for with user-based pricing. User-based pricing is also typically easy to understand because most SaaS companies use that model. Um, and then it's also typically a model that helps you optimize lifetime value of a customer. It's um, not as easy to predict how much you will make from these customers over time because you don't know how, how, how many users you will have. Um, and if your product is consuming resources that are not dependent on the number of users using it, let's say your the cost of running your product is about, for example, storage of data, then there's no correlation between the number of users and maybe the cost that you have. So that, that's maybe the only disadvantage. A per device pricing model is in that sense a little better. It's easier for you to predict the cost of um, running your software running your product um it's still you know also it's easy to make that value based and, and it's relatively easy to understand the one uh, dimension that i sometimes see that um is a little trickier that is usage yeah, per volume when you think of dropbox you pay per the usage of your account um or a lot of other sort of more storage-based uh, or transaction volume is another one-based uh, services. Uh, those are good for lifetime value. They're value-based. Um, they're a, hard, a little harder to understand, right, for customers. They don't know necessarily of what they're buying, what they're paying for is um, is a good deal or not. Uh, unless you're in a commodity, you know, part of the market where you can you know, compare Dropbox with the price of Google Drive. But a lot of other usage-based models are hard for customers to understand, which means the sales process might be a little more complex. And then you also had one that you mentioned before, which is the per feature, which is an interesting one. Yeah, per feature is not necessarily the unit that I would select. You could, um, 
but what would often happen if you have a pre-user pricing model that in that same model you also have maybe you know, the basic the premium and the platinum version of that product which you know would go up in, with an increased number of capabilities or features and that's just a way to optimize your average revenue per unit mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of that example of the 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 homes that you're talking about right there's one expensive one that kind of anchors people it's a the higher price there's one that's maybe the the goldilocks just right and then there's one that's uh it's a lot cheaper but it might not you know have everything that you want it to have um and that's where i think a lot of those like at least when we when clients work with us and they're trying to kind of build those those pricing tiers um there's kind of like the decoy the hero and the anchor um there's a lot of complexity or i guess perceived complexity about how to um put different features into those different tiers so i'm curious to hear what your thoughts are in terms of how if there's any any way that uh, you can summarize how you can go about kind of arranging your features into those different sets yeah it's really important i think to start with what are my users or my clients trying to do and can you align those packages with sort of the workflow or the, the job to be done mm-hmm. um, that's the first i think comment i would make and then we have some tools one of them is called the feature matrix that we use in the book that we also have on our website that help you organize capabilities things that you do that have value for your customers uh, along basically two dimensions one is how many people need this how relevant is this capability for the market basically and then how unique is this how is it something that only we can do or that, that you know some other products can do as well but not many and if you have those two dimensions now you can actually say well the things that are needed by a lot of our customers that sort of qualify for going in that the goldilocks the hero plan the plan that you want 70 percent of your customers to to use that's where you put the things that are not only very special that people will pay for but they're also used by most customers if you have things that are used by many but not necessarily they're not that unique you could make those part of your basic plan and then things that are very very special very unique but not maybe needed by so many those would be great things to put in your top level plan that's maybe a good upsell for a smaller amount of your customers i like that you use the word goldilocks mike i've never used it for a pricing plan but we could instead of hero um but it gave me a good reason to sort of um, add a fourth plan. So when we have the decoy and the hero in the middle and then the anchor, there's a really interesting type of plan that you could put to the right of the hero. It's called Hero Plus, or maybe now we call it Goldilocks. A lot of our SaaS customers have a great hero product, but they also have some intellectual property, some standards, some templates that are not necessarily the actual product, but they're very valuable for customers, you know, like a, a, an onboarding methodology that gets them going in the first couple of months, templates to do th- things in a certain way. And I've seen very uh, interesting successes where customers have a Ford plan, like right next to the middle hero plan, that's a little more expensive, 10, 20% more expensive. And it includes all that intellectual property. That's not the product but it includes a lot of things that get customers to succeed and get the most out of the solution. Uh, so let's call that the Goldilocks plan. So we have a, a decoy, 
Hero Goldilocks or Hero Plus, and then the, the Anchor. Uh, and those then can be filled with the, the features based on the feature metrics. And generally, the idea is that you want to keep, what is it, 60 to 75% of your kind of customer base. You want to drive them towards the middle, the hero and the, the Goldilocks, yeah. so to speak. Is that? Yeah, you want the majority of your customers to fall in that middle, right? That your product is really designed for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there will be people who are going to grow into that, but they're not ready. They can fall maybe to the left. People who have very specific needs that you service really well, but they're pretty unique, those needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're willing to pay more for them, fall to the right. Yeah.